Hello and welcome back to Almost Familiar. I'm Wes Johnson hanging out with my two homies today, Elizabeth and special guest Ethan. What up everyone? Welcome back to our 21st episode. I think we forgot to mention this in our last one and I think we didn't even realize it ourselves, but our last episode with Father Figure was our 20th episode. And also in our 20th episode, we happened to surpass 2,000 downloads. So we just want to thank you guys for your support over these last 20 episodes. Yeah, it really has been a fun labor of love, and especially getting to hang out with Elizabeth and Ethan. I love when you get to come hang out with us, too, because I could just never get tired of looking at that sweet, sweet face of yours. And, <laughs> ooh, wow, I wish we recorded the video just so people could see how handsome you just looked. That was a good one. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan has, like, a solid blue steel look. That's yeah. like your, that's your best pose in pictures. Because it's Whoa. always hit or miss with your... <laughs> it is, though. It's always hit or miss with, with your eyes being open uh-huh. sometimes. And, like, the blue steel is, like, always on point. It's a good look for you. It's a very Thank good you. look. Yeah. It's a good the look. way you just turned it on, too. That was, that was something else. Now, I know if you're listening, you're probably hearing something else different between specifically Elizabeth and I, but since our last episode... We've had some fucking birthdays because it's Gemini season and we're getting older and the shit feels good. (laughs) It is Gemini season. And in case it wasn't painfully obvious, we are both Geminis. I am the May Gemini and Wes is the June Gemini. And the only thing I know about astrology is memes I see on Instagram. Apparently, there are some differences between the May and the June Geminis. And another birthday that happened during Gemini season is Emancipator. He and I actually share a birthday, which makes me feel really special. That's an extra level of connection to Sir Doug. And he also has a song that's named after our birth year, 1993. Oh, that's fucking right. That's one of my favorite songs of his, too. guest this week chatted about something that we've definitely talked about on our podcast before a bunch, uh, which is the downfall of Bass Nectar and the Bass Nectar Empire. We were actually lucky enough to connect with D.B. Montana, who some of you might know from his internet notoriety as just being, (laughs) he was just the kind of guy that would throw out hot takes and he would just create, I remember seeing his name pop up mostly in the Bass Nectar group. I think it was, you know, we love it at the time. Just fucking calling Bass Nectar out for some of the cringy things he would do, and just watching him stir the pot and get those bass heads all riled up was pretty funny. And then, you know, his allegations became a little bit more serious. I remember seeing him raise some kind of questionable shit, just being like, damn, like, I don't know who this kid is, but he seems to know a lot of stuff. And then, you know, one thing we definitely talked about was that huge Vice article that came out about the Bass Nectar Empire. And then, lo and behold, he was featured in that Vice article and played a huge role in some of the news was created, you know, he's behind the the evidence against Bass Nectar Instagram page. So it was really great to connect with DB Montana, first of all, and just learn who he is on a personal level and learn that there's much, much more to him than you would have ever guessed on the internet persona. So really grateful to have connected with him and kind of learned about who he was as a person, kind of how he fits into all this. Yeah, and he was also the admin of the Weird Drunken Uncle group back in the day, which, Ethan, I know you were a member of that group. 
Yeah, those were some crazy times. Uh, I will say that it was a group effort, but I know a lot of people um, within that community helped find a lot of examples of him, whether it was stealing straight up, you know, physical art, um, other people's designs, taking other people's music and getting credit on it, um, and so much more that, you know, you'll hear in our podcast and definitely you want to go ahead and read that Vice article. Yeah, and we mentioned it in, in the podcast, but I am still just blown away about you know, this, the use of social media as a tool to mm-hmm. expose this. Like, I, I mean, imagine this wouldn't have come out 10, 20 years ago. And I'm just like, so impressed that he, he used this as a platform in such a way. I think it's a, it's a major game changer. And I'm curious to see, well, I think it, I think it will hold people accountable in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Especially being in the music world, you know, you hear lots of scuzzy stories about like rock stars back in the day. So I think it is kind of like a nice check that we have to make sure that we're holding everybody accountable. So concerts and live music spaces are safe for everybody. They shouldn't have to worry about this shit. So yeah, very thankful for the evolution of social media. And again, you know, it's a, the funny thing about it is it starts off as like a very cynical thing, but it turned out to be this very beautiful discovery that led to a lot of closure, I think, for a lot of people. So it was really good to, you know, meet DB because he is a genuinely very good person. Yeah, and I think notoriety on the internet, on social media, and the Facebooks of, of this community, it certainly does have its consequences because I think for a while, you know, as he says on, on the podcast, it took him a long time to clear his name. In fact, I think it was the Vice article that finally cleared his name because along with notoriety comes like a, like a reputation. And he had a reputation within the Bass Nectar community that was extremely controversial and that was very intentionally painted in, an, in a negative light by, you know, by Lauren's minions, for lack of a better word. So it's, you know, I don't love that it took an anonymous Instagram page for the truth to come out. I don't really think that that's how justice should happen. I don't have a solution for how justice should happen. But it's just, it's a fascinating story from start to finish. Yeah, and, you know, something else that DB said during our interview that I've been thinking about a lot since was he was talking about how a part of the backlash from the base nectar community was so harsh because as those kids who like that entire scene was their entire life and their identity and they cling to it. And then when that kind of thing is ripped away, you know, that's a, it's a scary feeling. And there's that sense of identity of like, who am I beyond the scene? And I think that's something that a lot of us and almost all of us that are into music, the way we are experienced that with this whole last year. So it was just interesting for him to like, you know, just to hear that he was thinking about that going through that as well, because he's he's definitely going through some big life transformations now and finding out who you are beyond the music. You know, I think there are several times that he refers to, you know, it's like, hey, take things less seriously. It's just music. And, you know, well, I definitely agree with that. You know, it is just for a lot of us. It was a lot deeper than that. So kind of figuring out who we are with that part removed is it's been tricky. It's been really hard. It is tricky. It's tricky to know where to draw the line, but I hope that's something that we can kind of think about as we return to live shows again. And there's a lot of live shows coming back and I think people are really excited, but I I also view it as an enormous opportunity to not necessarily go back to normal because there were a lot of problems with what was normal. And I think this is a great opportunity on so many levels to really redefine our standards and like how we want this scene to be, how we want to relate to it and like, and the standard that we hold people to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you know, before we get into this interview, you just reminded me of, you know, in speaking of making a new standard and holding to it, big shout out to Charles the First, because that little event he threw in Wyoming looked fucking insane. The production was tight, the music was fucking slamming. Everyone that I have spoken to that went there has had nothing but just absolute glowing things to say about everything about that event. Uh, I saw that, uh, unfortunately, it sounds like they were renting out other camping to that grounds and didn't tell people there was a giant music festival happening. So someone like shared this review and they're like, I would never go back to this ranch. They played techno pop music until 4 a.m. <laughs> it's like one, one of the funnier things I've seen, but... Big shout out to Charles the First for throwing one of our first big kind of scene throwdowns, I think, since COVID came back. And like you said, Elizabeth, there's so much more coming back here, and I'm really excited to get back in there. I feel like it hasn't even hit me, and it won't hit me until I actually experience it, and I'm almost, like, afraid of how overwhelming it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be like so overwhelming. Like, that first drop, you know what I mean? Oh, or, like, yeah. that first, like, you know, uh-huh. the first, like, crux of, like, the jams or whatever. Yep. Like, it's just, Ooh. like, the peak. Like, I just... Oh, man. I'm not ready. I'm already, like, it's so in my head about how good the Sound Tribe set's going to be, how good the Emancipator set's going to be, how good the Detox Unit set's going to be, how good Mo is going to be, because I'm definitely going to be seeing some Mo. So, you know, disclaimer, I don't expect all of the homies to come to as much Mo as me, but if anyone wants to join, I will be at the Moonshine stage a fair amount of that festival. And just crying a lot. I'm going to be crying everywhere I go, just out of overwhelming joy. I'm just really excited to feel that again and be with all you fucking weirdos. Well, before we slide into our episode with DB, uh, we would love it if you gave us a follow on our social media platforms. And on Instagram, we are Almost Familiar Pod. On Facebook, we're Almost Familiar. And you can email us at almostfamiliarpodcast at gmail.com. Shout out to our new friend, Sarah Norris, who hit us up on Facebook recently. And, you know, I love hearing from people, but it was, you know, extra exciting to hear from someone that actually lives in the Bay Area. So super excited to connect with another new friend out here. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, seeing that message, it just really makes me smile knowing that, you know, you guys like doing listening as much as we like making this podcast because we just love talking about all this stuff. So it's it's really cool to hear that it connects with you all the way it does. So thank you so much for the support. And you know, like Elizabeth said, you know our socials. You know to follow us. If you like it and you know homies that would like it, let them know. We're definitely trying to connect more, and we'd love to hear from you guys about who we should be chatting with and things you want to hear talked about. We'd love to do it. And so without any further ado, let's get familiar with our guest this week, D.B. Montana, a.k.a. Evidence Against Base Nectar, a.k.a. The Weird Drunken Uncle. It's good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I've seen your name floating around Facebook. I've seen you out there. I've seen you out there too. I think you and me got a ton of mutual friends, especially uh, my homegirl Carly from Syracuse. She wanted me to say what up. Right on. What's up, Carly? You know, she out here just baking macaroons and shit. Yeah. She's the shit. I love her to death. Dude, me too. She's like one of the most obnoxiously fun people I've ever met. Yeah, that seems about right. 
Where are you kind of hanging out right now? Where are you at? Oh, I'm in Arizona by way of Nashville, Tennessee. There you go. It's a pretty big switch. What was that adjustment like? It's crazy, man. I came out here to basically rebuild my entire life. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. And it's been it's been good, but it's tough being the new guy, you know, new new everywhere, new at work, new at new to the state, new to the recovery program, new to new to everything, man. I just had to hit the ground and and run, you know, just fit in the best I can. So when you t- think about, you know, because that's a pretty big move, and like you said, it sounds like you're kind of restarting with everything here. Is that something that you initially looked forward to, or is it more of a kind of sense of dread with having a new chapter start? No, I've looked forward to it, and uh, I've been planning it for a while. I don't want to bum you guys out, but uh, so I came out here in 2019 to get clean, and there was some problems back home. Uh, my parents' health wasn't that good. They had They were losing their house and so a lot of stuff was going on and um i i just didn't have the heart to leave them um like the dynamics of of that situation i was always kind of the glue that held it together and i couldn't do what was best for me at that time so i came back to stick around with them and uh, my mother passed away six months after i came back my father was sick and uh, my sister, unfortunately, passed away about six months before my mother did. So it was just, it was a lot. And uh, I stuck around to be there for my father for about a year. And, um, yeah, we, we, had to, we had to figure it out. So I came out here to get it together. And he's, uh, he's currently in a rehab himself. And uh, his family is um, helping him with this leg of the journey. Thank goodness. So, yeah. And in the midst of all that, I, I happened to create an uproar in the community of electronic music and bass nectar fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing that, all of that with us. I know that sounds really hard and I'm, I'm really sorry for to hear all of that. But I don't know, sometimes like in my own experience, just like kind of going to like a new place can really help you kind of resolve everything that like from like the old place, if you know what I mean. But you really did create an uproar in the electronic music community, but it definitely wasn't the first time that you had done something like that. Maybe not quite at this level, but I, I don't know, Ethan, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would venture to say that you kind of have a reputation for disrupting the bass nectar community specifically. Yeah, I mean... They're not hard people to disrupt. <laughs> like I, I get a bad rep, but I just have a certain attitude and way about things. And, and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really go look into, to, uh, I don't know. It's just such a weird dynamic. It's like that community and, and the, it's weird because collectively they all seem to carry the same, attitudes and approach and i don't know i i i can't call it specifically but yeah um ultimately yeah i I, yeah i was they they made me into this antichrist of bass nectar this but ultimately like it just kind of happened um because i created a, a space where we could talk freely and openly about 
you know, what we enjoyed. And that spirit really was not welcomed in that community. So so that space you're talking about that you created, what was that initially? It was a Facebook group called the Weird Drunken Uncle. And it was just like, it was just a joke. It was created in, in jest um, of him. I think it was back in He made a statement about how Facebook communities are, are ultimately just, I guess, toxic and weird and whatever. And then I was in the original Bass Nectar, I think it was BNF group, and I saw their reaction to him not taking kindly to their community. And they were trying to cater to him and what they, what could they do to, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, it's, it's the internet, you know, like it's, you can't, you can't control this. Excuse me. You can't control that. You know, it's, it's this is a, like a free speech platform, or at least it used to be, you know, there, you know, prior to social media and all that, like they're, you know, it was, it was a pretty wild place and it still is, but yeah, the, you know, the whole attitude of the internet when it first came out was, you know, free speech. And yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, people thought that was funny and, and the group was born. So where were you at with before the group? You know, how did you get into this scene? Cause that's like, you know, what Elizabeth was saying is I think I got aware of your like internet presence, if you want to call it that as being a habitual pot stirrer, I guess, you know, and I knew it was like, you know, you were calling out Bass Nectar, and I remember I started, like, just seeing shit you were saying, and I was like, oh, like, I agree with that, you know? Like, you just would kind of say what's on your mind in the vein of free speech, so, like, what got you there? You know, were you a fan of Bass Nectar? Were you just into the music scene and then stumbled into him? And, you know, I mean, I guess you can't really stumble into him, you just, he is there, and he was such a big part of that scene, but what brought you there? Yeah, I've always been a big uh, music nerd, man, and in the music scene, and I've worked with uh, musicians, and I was about 25 when I went to my first Bass Nectar show. It was in Nashville at a, at a club called Limelight, and um, or you know what? Maybe I saw him at Bonnaroo a year prior. I don't know. I just knew that people were... I, re- I liked Dead Mouse a lot at the time, and he was kind of big, and then people were mentioning uh, Bass Nectar and Pretty Lights and, you know, just so I knew I had to go see them. And then I just kind of stumbled into it. And, and I really enjoyed the concerts and the shows. And, you know, I just took an interest. And I don't really know how I found my way via these communities on Facebook, but I did. And things just kind of happened from there. Yeah. Do you remember maybe the first time after you were exposed to Bass Nectar that you kind of heard something that wasn't purely positive? That kind of made you start questioning uh, what you were experiencing and whether it was worth experiencing? You know, it started as that little like as that little jab towards his attitude. Right. Like that's where it started. And we're like, oh, this is this is funny. And obviously I wasn't the only person that, that thought that. So, I mean, that was the whole attitude and spirit of why that group was created. And it just spiraled from there. You know, the experience was was fun and cool, but I didn't start hearing about like shady behaviors and things. I guess with music theft and things like that, that was around 2015. 
and then I don't know, this timeline might not be exactly correct, but I'd like to say 2016, towards the end of that, I, I started hearing about, you know, his pension for young girls and things like that and stories in that vein. And originally, like people that worked for him, like ambassadors and people like that would just whisper things to me. And, and then, uh, you know, stories themselves made it to me, but yeah, just creating that group was like creating a vacuum. You know, people think that I like, you know, I had my obsessive moments, I won't lie, but people get the impression that I was like obsessed and looking into all these things. And it, I mean, it, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, I just I just ran the group and I had my, my presence and people, This it was like I said, it was like creating a vacuum and people you know, all this stuff would just would just come to me, you know, so it wasn't hard to find. What was the uh, first thing you exposed from Bass Nectar, whether it was like stolen visual or song? And, and how did you come to that? Well, at first, it wasn't really about like, like, haha, you stole something or anything like that. It was just I noticed a pattern of like, he he used other people's stuff to create his own creations. And I questioned that and it just created such a stir within that community. And, um, and yeah, it just got out of hand. I mean, I, I, I even got on the phone with him in 2016 to talk about it. And he just kind of, he kind of, the phone call itself was just like him trying to charm me, but he didn't want to address the, the topics. He said they were too toxic and whatever, whatever, and didn't want to address them. You know, he talked briefly about a few things, but yeah, ultimately it was just, it was, it wasn't really a helpful conversation to, to, to the topic at hand, but I don't know. It, it was just a lot of things that people noticed that I noticed and I compiled them into a Facebook thread and it, it, uh, really caused an uproar. Yeah, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the community response to creating that group in addition to Lauren's response. It sounds like from what you just said, like Lauren felt threatened by that and like didn't want to address it. But I think one thing that's come up a lot in this coverage of the implications uh, of evidence against Base Nectar is how is that like toxic positivity of the Base Nectar community. So I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on how that group kind of fit in with that overwhelmingly toxic positivity where you really couldn't say anything bad against him without being ostracized from the group. Yeah, it, it's, it's just weird. It's, it's, just two, it's just two spirits going up against each other. One is free speech. We don't care. We're allowed to criticize. The other is you can't criticize. And we love this person and we love these shows or we love this experience. And if you have anything to say, then we're going to, you know, dogpile you and make you feel like a piece of shit for for having an opinion or, or trying to have a voice and those two spirits just bumped heads and all of this of the stuff we're talking about just kind of bled out from from those two forces bumping heads how did uh lauren like get your number to reach out to you or did you reach out to him or did he like use some ambassador i'm just kind of fascinated by that because i remember um, through time, him even like emailing you from random email addresses and 
like other kind of weird stuff. So I'm, if you feel comfortable talking about that, I'd love to know. No, I do. And it's funny you said use ambassadors because he did, but well, you know, I, I can't say that he did this directly, but, um, uh, there was a guy that worked for him. His name's Chris Madrigal mm-hmm. and he had an ambassador in, in, in my Facebook group and he had commanded this person to, you know, keep a watchful eye and, you know, befriend, befriend myself and people of the group. And, so weird. and, um, yeah, it, it was, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. And ultimately what happened was my accounts had gotten taken down and, you know, it was just like, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> It was unnecessary, and it, you know, it just—it's in the—you know—it speaks to the the links that him or his team or whatever will go to silence something or someone that you know isn't speaking about them in the best light, you know. Um, but yeah, he had an ambassador spying on me in the group, and um, <laughs> it was—it was because of the reputation that I had gotten for you know speaking out about improper sampling and crediting and just outright theft and um also he had an album uh what album was it i think it was unlimited was that was that an album of his i that sounds right um the one from like 2016 or so with that like astronaut on it or something yeah Yeah. i think it was unlimited i don't remember though I think it was that and it got leaked and it, I didn't leak it. And um, I actually think it was an ambassador that did it, but I, I, I'm not completely sure. And this happened a long time ago, but it got leaked and it was shared in the group. And yeah, I don't know. I know that was a, a topic of discussion when I spoke with Lauren on the phone. So yeah, I, you know, it was all of that wrapped into one. There was an album leak and then there was the, the you know, they, they just, you know, they just didn't like that there was an opposition, an oppositional force out there that wasn't completely, it's not like it was, it wasn't, it wasn't born out of hate or spite or anything like that. It was just born out of freedom of speech. And I think myself and everybody else in that group just found it weird that the people from the main groups were so toxically positive, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it was kind of fun to jab up against that, you know? So that's all it was. Yeah, it was definitely dangerously culty. And I wonder from your experience just in the scene, did you notice any other fan bases that were on that level? I personally haven't. And I'm just confused, like as a fan, like how it even got to that point. Yeah, no, I I haven't. I mean, I, I... all in all, I do notice now uh, how fanaticism is pretty wild, you know, especially when you look at politics and things like that. But no, when it comes to music, I've never seen it. I've never seen it that that bad. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do. I think it kind of trickled down from Lauren and his attitude. And um, and then I noticed from the first groups, a lot of these people thought they were special, you know, from working directly with him or. You know, I I don't like to speculate, but I just think the attitude kind of came from the top down. 
you know, shit goes downhill, as they say. Yeah, uh, it seems like a lot of just fragility within the ego of Lauren, you know, like yeah. everything, you know, from the art to especially how he was treating you, like from the jump, you know, or uh, it was something I think my mom taught me growing up. Like if someone's defensive, like overtly so, like there's generally a reason for why, and maybe it's he feels the way that you feel, or you know, he's like, oh, damn, like they're on to me. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that's what it was. Um, you, you're pretty spot on about it. And I, I just thought that was funny. You know, I picked up on it and I thought it was funny and it enabled me to continue, you know, sticking around and, and you know, poking at the bear. And his fans made it. it. You know, they made me into this horrible person and they really put me in a position to where I had to fight from my own reputation. You know, it felt really fucked up to have all these people paint me out to be a certain way or saying, you know, just say fucked up things about me or whatever. And I don't know, it, it forced me to be on the defense and it almost forced me to stick around to clear my name, which ultimately kind of happened. You know, it, it took a long time and I wish I, sometimes I wish I should say I, I didn't have to give so much time and energy to that. But it is what it is and things played out the way they played out and you know that's life i suppose yeah i feel like as someone else who definitely fell into the trap of just it being honestly too much too easy too much fun sometimes just to poke in those facebook groups and like you know shit on it and other people be like oh you're wasting time but you know personally i definitely thank you for sticking around and doing that um I was kind of the guy who in like my friend group of people that went to base nectar shows um, that would always kind of like poke at him and make fun and be like ruining the vibe or something like that. And um, it's just great now the way everything has come out. So I can only imagine how that feels for you. It's interesting. I'll say that. And, and I, I, you know, it's good to be validated and it's good to, uh, it's good to be proven true. Um, Everything I've ever done was in the vein of, like I said, free speech, freedom of expression, freedom in general, and the truth. You know, I might not have been the best at uh, being graceful or delivering that truth at times, but, you know, it was truthful at the end of the day. And I think that was the saving grace. And ironically, it's something that Lauren claimed to be all about, just like with the messages he would put in at his shows, like he claimed to really value free speech and it's just so ironic that at the end of the day free speech is what took him down and what he was fighting against all along yeah that <laughs> yeah that irony is 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 the kicker you know a lot of the things almost all of the things he stood for he wasn't actually standing for and um i'm not gonna lie it was fun to expose that you know because it just made him a target. You know, if somebody's out there preaching things and they're not about those things, I don't know. That's, you know, I don't like to act like I'm just, it, it was the whole, it was the whole kit. You know what I mean? The whole kit in Caboodle, like his fans being so, it was just all of that. And I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah I mean there were there's so many layers to it right from everything you've just said like you said it started with his attitude and then it's about like him stealing other people's music and then of course all of like the sexual abuse like there's so there's so many layers to it and like one thing that I've been 
reflecting on recently is I hope that a lot of people learn a lesson from this. I think I will definitely learn a lesson from this because I personally feel kind of, I feel dumb and ignorant for lack of a better word, because like I was a fan of his and I think I I experienced kind of a cognitive dissonance where I, I didn't know quite the extent of what was going on until the evidence against Base Nectar Page, but like I definitely heard things that weren't so great and I like actively chose to ignore them and I'm not proud of that at all, but that's just like the honest truth. And so I at least am hoping that I learn a lesson from this and I hope that people who are kind of in my same boat also learn a lesson from this. But my long-winded question for you is like going forward, it's like, where do you draw the line? You know, of like when, when an artist is has a lot of power and he's like doing things that like aren't great he has like a shitty attitude he's a bully on the internet or he's like steal like like where do we draw the line in the future i just think that we don't deify individuals period and just let them be artists you know or musicians or whatever like that's a really cool thing and and you know it's really special but every single human being and just the stuff we have to get up and do on a day-to-day basis is is really cool and special, you know, like, um, but to, to speak to why I think I didn't fall into that trap, it might give insight into your question. Um, I was older, you know, I've talked to people throughout this whole thing and coming into it at 25, I can definitely see why somebody who's coming out of high school or, you know, around that age and coming into things could completely get swept off their feet and wrapped up and, for lack of better words, just completely brainwashed, you know? Um, and I had already worked with some of my favorite musicians and been around, been in studios with these guys and people that I idolized, you know? And they taught me directly, like, you know, that that behavior just wasn't cool. And if you're going to stick around, you need to act like you've been here and uh, just just chill out. (laughs) So I, uh, I picked that up and I just kind of learned not to, not to put people on pedestals. Like, and I think everybody should carry that attitude and it might help. Now, a question I had for you is, you know, we touched on earlier that kind of sense of redemption or validation, you know, when you felt heard, when everything kind of really came to light. So one thing I'm really curious about is like, how did you get from being to the point where, you know, not not that you're screaming at the void, but, you know, when you're online, like, bringing stuff up to these base nectar groups and just kind of, you're speaking but not really being heard, to then being featured in this fucking Vice article that was, like, one of the biggest exposés, and it was, like, so interesting to read that, and it was, because first off, it was a fucking novel, but to, like, yeah. how they painted the scene, which, like, you know, it was so interesting to see what we all is so normalized to us but featured on vice, you know, and they'd done the whole vice way of like, it was, it was just incredible investigative journalism, you know? And then to have you be in the midst of that, like, what the fuck, man, how did that happen? Well, yeah, first and foremost, Avery Kleinman did a fantastic job on that article. Yeah. Shout out. How I ended up there in short, just staying true to it, man. Just, uh, staying true to it. Like, like I said in the beginning, my, my, you know, this is over the span of, you know, six or seven years. And I wasn't always as uh, mature or, you know, 
composed, you know, as I am today, or, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, prior to you hearing me now, I used to be a little more unwieldy, but yeah, I just stayed true to whatever I did. I just knew if I was telling the truth, then that speaks for itself, you know? So that's what I did. And ultimately it, I guess you could say it paid off or, you know, the truth rises. The truth is going to be the truth no matter what. So that's what's taken me from being this, you know, antichrist or, you know, troll in the community to somebody who's just, you know, who's in a Vice article who led these people to getting their voices and their stories heard and getting some kind of justice, you know, that's that's how that all happened was just by me me standing up and, and willing to tell the truth you know in the face of opposition mm. a lot of respect to you for that man that shit's not easy and just the fact that you've been so consistent with it you know you say you're unwieldy in the past but you know it's it's incredible to even have the mental fortitude to just stick by your guns like that so persistently thank you it did get crazy you know and it, it, mental fortitude yeah yeah it takes that for sure i'll agree with you there I wanted to talk about the evidence against Space Nectar page because earlier you referenced that like your your name ultimately got cl- got cleared. And so I'm wondering between the Vice article and like the evidence against Space Nectar page ultimately exposing the truth, is that is that how your is that how the, your name got cleared in your eyes? Yeah. Uh well, I mean, to me, it, you're asking me, my name was always good and I these people that that were it was frustrating sometimes trying to get people to listen and, and whatnot but yeah that's what cleared my name ultimately and and especially the articles and the things that came out the vice article there's a daily beast article um i mean yeah it just showed that i mean even to this day people they don't want to accept things for being truthful i mean here's the thing people still will find reasons to not like someone or whatever so I guess the the only way my name is cleared is for telling the truth at this point, you know? Uh, people will always find other reasons to dislike or discredit, but I think it's safe to say that the topics that's caused such a stir in the base nectar community as far as like theft and, you know, these allegations and stuff, I think it's safe to say I've been telling the truth the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could have phrased that better and said uh, instead, like within the base nectar community specifically, because I think you've always been telling the truth. But I think it's the I think when everyone was kind of like under his spell within the base nectar community, it was very and I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I imagine it was very easy to dislike you because you were ruining is not the right word, but because you were criticizing someone and like an experience that a lot of people liked and a lot of people just didn't want to believe it because they they tied their identity to it, which is like extremely problematic. So I think you were absolutely telling the truth uh, the whole time. But one of my questions for you is like, what inspired you to use Instagram specifically? Because when I was following this, I can't remember whether like Evidence Against Space Nectar uh, was created first or Evidence Against Space Jesus or maybe a different one. So like, uh, I guess my question is like, what inspired you to create Evidence Against Space Nectar as a platform? 
Yeah, well, the the evidence against Space Jesus page came first. And also, at the same time, uh, Chris D'Elia, the comedian, was had his issues being aired out via Twitter. And, you know, I had dealt with this type of opposition before from speaking about the art form being abused and taken advantage of to, uh, you know, to, to I've spoke, I spoke out about him with women before and just because my name you know was attached to it and people had their preconceived notions about me or you know just however they felt which it just it just didn't get heard or it didn't get taken seriously and so when i saw that namely when i saw the evidence against space jesus page i was like oh shit i was like i can do this anonymously and not have to face that opposition directly at least you know and it, it'll get heard better so that was really cool but it's not like that's not what got me to pull the trigger you know um oddly enough at the same exact time i guess the evidence against uh space jesus page had it had you know brought up allegations of you know the things that i had spoken about before i think it was sometime in 2017 and um a third party friend well my friend at the time he, he's my friend now but a mutual friend of one of the women that's in the lawsuit um he reached out to me and presented her story and i was like oh jesus the, like the universe is it's just not gonna let it's not gonna let me get away from this you know um so i was like all right um now it's time to time to you know try to try to bring light to this the best way i can yeah it's a fascinating use of social media something that i never would have thought of but just what an amazing way for people to kind of like share evidence and like reinforce each other um i think it was you know it's like a strength in numbers kind of thing and i have to say like i really appreciate you creating this platform as a survivor as a rape survivor myself not you know not anything to do with base nectar or anything like that, but just as a survivor of sexual violence in my own way and not feeling like I had a platform to express that. Um, and it's, I don't know if I will ever report it myself, but I, I was just, I'm really happy to see that social media can be used in this way to hold people accountable and to like shift the tide in this way. Like it's really, it's really amazing. And I think you did like a really, wonderful and important thing for the community and it's just it's amazing to see the ripple effect that it's had well thank you thank you so much it uh it is it's amazing and that whole movement was amazing i mean there was a lot of other artists that got called out at that time um and yeah it's it's an amazing use of social media it's an amazing use of that platform people obviously have their criticisms of that but i i don't even pay that any mind it's 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 amazing through and through if you ask me yeah now one thing you know you were talking about earlier was like the danger of the deitism with bass nectar and i was curious you know because i think that is a really big problem not even just within the music scene but you know just with the general world we live in now but you know to kind of get back in the scope of the music scene are there any other issues that you kind of see as glaring issues within the scene that people should also be on the fence about other than deitism because you know like i think that's the biggest one but i'm just curious if you thought about any other things that are kind of going on with our scene that you don't like so much 
Uh, this is a dangerous question to get into because, you know, who am I? You know, like, who am I and who am I to tell people what to do or what not to do? Or I have my criticisms of the scene, but it's going to be what it is. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to sit here and tell people to, to be a certain way or to, you know, hopefully things just find a way you know i just encourage people to uh to be healthy that's all so i remember you know as tipper was like becoming more i want to say like mainstream um even though like he still isn't and if you think about the music industry as a whole he definitely is not but i just remember seeing a lot of bass nectar people starting to like idolize him as well and i'm not like too actively in those groups um i have a feeling that you you might be um, and I'm curious if there has been like a shift of like some of those people that were like super diehard fans that are now like trying to take that focus onto someone else. And if that is the case, what's your take? Well, um, I'm not active in Facebook groups anymore. I had to give that lifestyle up a couple years ago. Um, but I, yeah, I did notice that, you know, and still notice it because I've got a lot of, of friends I've picked up along the way from the years. Um, I think it just comes down to the lifestyle. People gravitate to the lifestyle and anything that keeps them around and living that lifestyle, they're down for, you know what I mean? And there's always going to be hype trains, you know, it happens in fashion, it happens, it happens in everything. So yeah, you know, that, that happens and it's happening and I really can't put anything else on top of that without feeling preachy or, you know, so I won't get into it too much further than that. Yeah, I I totally understand that it's tough to criticize and like, you know, tell people what to do. But I I'm wondering if instead of maybe like criticizing like the problems that we see in the scene, if you can think of like maybe an artist or like a fan base or a festival that you think is like a good example of maybe what you would like this scene to be in general. I've seen healthy fan bases, but they all get toxic, you know? So just in general, I would just say, learn to enjoy things. Don't take them too serious. Don't take yourself too serious. Don't take life too serious. You know what I mean? Just go, these are just concerts, you know? Go to the fucking concert, enjoy yourself, and keep it pushing. Like, people take things way too serious, and that that's, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- and what I'm kind of internalizing from that is like, you know, in addition to like the deification of base nectar, um, you were kind of referencing like having a healthy lifestyle earlier. And I think another issue specifically within base nectar, but I think you can kind of say it about the lifestyle in general, the scene in general is like a lot of people. And I think I'm totally guilty of this as well is like, we tie our identity to this lifestyle maybe not to some people tied it to base nectar but like i think a lot of people tie a lot of their identity and a lot of their personality to to this community and i think you know i think that it can be a good thing in some respects but i think there's there's a healthy balance like you were saying yeah there, there is and it's it's tricky to it's tricky to address but i just encourage people to find uh, you know a healthy balance within their individuality you know just just you know, diversify your portfolio. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. I wonder if I can ask you a personal question and feel free to like 
not not answer like you totally don't have to but when you say like diversify your portfolio I wonder if that's something that you've kind of experienced yourself as you've kind of like you've been part of the scene for a long time so what does that mean like for you specifically when you say that if you don't mind answering that it just means don't take yourself too seriously don't get too attached be be open-minded and willing to like new things to try new things everything's always ever changing you know what i mean if, if you get too stuck into one thing it's never good it always goes stale eventually i don't know i like to diversify my portfolio <laughs> i you know like because hmm yeah I, I don't know i don't know people people that get really attached to things like that it doesn't hurt to just uh to be open to new things and to to move on with your life too you know people get stuck in these these phases or these whatever you want to call them I don't know man I've always just liked I've liked everything and I, like I said I show up to things specifically as we're talking about concerts to enjoy the concert you know not to be a part of anything bigger than that or or, or for sport you know I just I'm there to enjoy the show but yeah I don't know people are people and they got the reasons to do what they do. So like, it's tough. It's tough to address. Yeah. I think it kind of relates to something that you said earlier too, about like how you kind of discovered this community when you were like a little bit older, like 25. And I think the three of us discovered the community when we were a little bit younger, like not much younger. Like for me, it was like when I was between like 17 and 20 and like, I think there's a, when I reflect on that time of my life, like there was a huge maturity gap between when I was like 20 and when I was 25. And I think I saw Bass Nectar, for example, for the first time when I was 20. And, you know, I was on like, who fucking knows, like MDMA or something like that. And like, you're fucking impressionable. And like, you're, you're looking for something to like latch onto. You're looking to like fill the void, especially like, I think a lot of people, I mean, people in general, like everyone has like trauma and like stuff that they're looking to run away from. I was looking to run away from shit and like finding this community. It wasn't like the healthiest thing in the world. Like I think it helped me in many ways and in like many ways, like it wasn't the healthiest thing in the world for me. But like, I think a lot of people at that age were looking to get into something. And I have no idea what it's like now in the scene, like what 20 year old kids are like listening to, like what they're drawn to. I hope... I hope it's not as like, I don't know the word. The word that's coming to mind is like magnetic. Like that was the experience like with Bass Nectar. It was like a magnetic thing. It was like, oh, I want to do this again and again and again. And I think a lot of people had that. But I wonder, I wonder what it's like now. I don't know. You wonder what, what like what Bass Nectar shows No, are no, like? sorry. Not what Bass Nectar shows are like. But like, you know, if you're, when, when kids are getting into the scene now, like who, who are they listening to? Like who are like the big people that like they're, they're following around. Cause like, I think one thing we've reflected a lot on this podcast and I'm actually curious to hear your experience of this too, is like how our tastes mature after like you, you get into the scene and you're first listening to, I mean, we kind of had the exact same experience. Like I got into dead mouse, pretty lights and bass nectar. And then eventually like your taste matures. So like my, I guess my question is like, what it's two parts. Like what are kids listening to today? Like what parts of electronic music and festival culture, like are they drawn to and like how that kind of like affects and shapes their identity and like their experience of the culture and whether it's different from how we got initiated. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. And I don't think, at least I don't know, but I don't think they, 
I don't think they've had that experience. When Bass Nectar came on the scene, it was, of course, this is when, when I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is when he was getting big, uh, you know, 2009, 2010. And, you know, he set the stage for all of this to happen. You know, uh, you know, I'm not saying he created electronic music or whatever, but for bass music culture, for sure, you know, that he set the stage right then and there. And so we were there for that explosion. And that was a really magical moment in time. Um, I can't say the same for things today. And I don't mean to sound like an old man, but maybe I am. I can't say those things. I've noticed some people are gravitating towards Liquid Stranger. I don't listen to that music. I don't, I've been kind of distance from electronic music. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's as magical or as good as it was from, you know, 2009 up until the late teens. Um, but I, I don't know, I'm not paying like crazy attention to it. I like guys like Tipper, Jade Cicada. That, the whole Tipper umbrella is amazing. Uh, Little Snake is somebody who's really crushing it. And Flying Lotus and his label. Yes. People are pushing the envelope. You know, those guys that are like weird and quirky, but they really show up and do the damn thing. Those are the guys that I'm paying attention to now. Um, but obviously we're just not coming out of COVID and I don't know what the live music arena is even like, you know? So I don't know, man, these darn kids, am I right? <laughs> the youths. So you said you've kind of shied away from the electronic music stuff a little bit. So what do you listen to? Are you still listening to a lot of tunes or what is the, what's on your daily mix that you listen to? Um, I, I've always been a gangster rap guy, so I like funk music a lot. You know, the heavily sampled based uh, instrumentals and whatnot. Um, guys like Sudier, Young Vamp, DJ Smokey, that's, uh, they're always in rotation. Um, as far as electronic music, like I said, Tipper and, and those guys are crushing it, uh, Little Snake. But other than that, like, I just find new stuff and I, I like it, you know? That, you know, I don't, I just kind of Spotify dishes out some good stuff from time to time and yeah. I was also curious so, to ask you about, um, you said that you had worked with some of some musicians that like you really idolized as, did you say you were an audio engineer? I was, yeah. Would, is that something you'd be willing to talk about? I'm just curious to hear like who you worked with and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, well, okay. So as a youngin living in Nashville, I was always a music nerd. I'll just put it to you like that. And I used to ride my bike up to the store and grab, it was this mom and pop CD store ran by, you know, gangsters from Nashville. And they would have the latest local, you know, Nashville rap CDs. And so I'd always pick those up and listen to them. And um, one of those guys being Young Buck, you know, which ultimately he got with G-Unit, had a huge career. Um, and one of my best friends, you know, I could I consider him a brother, ended up on his label. And so I'd go over to Young Buck's house all the time. He we'd go to, you know, it just kind of became a family thing. I was also doing my thing in the streets a little bit. So I gained a personal relationship with these guys through music and, and other things. And yeah, it was really cool, man. I went from listening to them as a, you know, 12 year old slash teenager and idolizing these people, 
you know, Young Buck was like Michael Jordan to me. You know, he was my personal Michael Jordan. And then here I am smoking weed with him, playing pool at his house, you know, having dinner. And, uh, you know, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, you've got you've to gotta adjust to that, you know, especially when you're coming from being a young kid that idolizes these people. Um, but yeah, I ended up working with that G-Unit South imprint and label. Um, all those guys are friends of mine, uh, beyond music. And it was it was amazing. It was really cool. Yeah, I think with hip hop, it's been really interesting to see how it's incorporated so many different elements of electronic music. You know, I feel like it kind of starts around that same period where I think, you know, as Benj and I, I, we had a brief little exchange about, you know, like if hip hop is the future of bass music or if bass music is the future of hip hop, just because the two are, I feel just so very interchangeable a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, when I think about bass music and what drew me to bass music, it was obviously the bass. But the reason why I like the bass was because I like rap music. And, you know, that has, you know, I like rap music for the for the low end and that, too. So, yeah, that's that that aggressive type of low end in, in bass music or electronic bass music that's the similarities that i saw and that i liked and i've always wanted there to be a fusion of the two and it's started to happen in the past few years and it's really cool so yeah i don't know man hip-hop in general is such a force and always will be and it's always cool to see it get married with other music you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's one of the reasons i really resonate with detox unit in particular because you know he just does so many breaks and shit in his music that's so familiar to me just because i grew up on hip-hop too you know, but then it's also got this like super fucking futuredelic sound to it as well. So it's like familiar, but also brand new at the same time. So I fucking, I don't know. I love that guy. Yeah. Detox unit is a bad motherfucker for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So for you, man, you know, it. we know that we talked about it earlier that you're in this pretty big restart point in your life here. So what does life look like for you moving forward? Oh man, it's crazy. Um, well, I'm a hundred in like three, a hundred. Let's see. Let me look at the date really quick. I'm a hundred and three days sober, which is probably the longest I've ever been sober. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Thank you guys. Um, I've, I don't really have much of any family anymore and I don't say that for sympathy. I say that to say things are just different. I'm in a space where I'm allowed to grow. I don't have to worry about certain things or certain people or, it's uh, I've kindly I've kind of been set free, uh, so who knows? You know, who knows from here what things would be like? I kind of just got out of purgatory, so <laughs> I'm just learning how to take it all in and uh, show up for myself and, and others. Finally, you know, in, in a real way. I, well, not I don't say that to discredit anything I've done prior to this, but just seems sounds like it holds a little bit more value with you now yeah it's it's just it's it's a lot it's overwhelming it's it's hard to put into words my words are i feel i'm getting a little shaky but yeah i just you know it's a whole new ball game from here so who knows i'm excited yeah it sounds exciting that was the word i was going to use for it like i'm excited for you that's great yeah so i was just going to say the same thing elizabeth (laughs) i i can say i fought really hard to get here so sometimes it's good to take it all in and yeah it's, it's exciting for sure. 
one other question I had for you, uh, kind of going back to when we were talking about detox unit and that tipper community and like the whole umbrella of artists underneath there is I'm just, I don't know how much you're in that community or not, but if you're in or adjacent to that community, I'm just wondering what your general impressions are of it, because I think it's kind of grown a lot over the last few years, at least that's my impression of it. So just, I'm curious to hear your general impressions of that community as it continues to grow and evolve. Man, I love those guys. They're like family to me. Uh, the community is always going to have its quirks and whatnot, but I can tell you that the people driving the fucking driving, the people in the driver's seat, the artists, the managers, they have the best intentions and uh, they know what they're doing. And I respect them so much. And they're not responsible for everybody, you know, but I can, I can have faith that they know what they're doing and, uh, they'll do their best to, to make it a, a good place to be, you know? That's certainly the feeling that I get anytime I get to go to a tipper show or anyone within that community. So it's a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a really respectable presentation and uh, they care, they care, you know, they care about all the details and they care about the crowd, they care about the people, you know, and I know that firsthand. So it's that type of dedication and focus that, that it, I mean, it, you know, it really shows. It really, it really, uh, it speaks for itself. And people notice that stuff, you know. I, I definitely do. But I know overall people notice that. And it's needed, you know. It's really needed. People, for whatever reason in this community, people really... <sighs> they they take a lot from it you know what i mean and it's just good to have good good people leaders and people with good characters and good hearts uh out there trying to give them the best the best concert or the best show or whatever they can to these people that that look up to them you know people look up to these guys and they use them for guidance they use them for inspiration it's it's a really you know it's a lot of responsibility that comes with that kind of attention in that kind of stage and they know how to handle that and i respect them a lot so yeah i mean i think community is the perfect word for it you know because it is just such a healthy and vibrant thing i think from the top down you know like you talked about that's the issues with the whole base nectar thing is you know it starts from him and it just kind of spreads this icky kind of vibe where you know, inversely with that community, it's just nothing but appreciation and love for the art and people. There's so much freedom of expression, freedom of self that I love, and it's just so encouraged within that community. So, like, I think you're absolutely correct. I don't know anybody deep enough in that scene to speak on it at that level, but it's nice to know that that is your impression of it as well. Yeah, those guys are something else, and uh, they've even helped me along the way, you know, so... Yeah, I've got all the faith and love and respect in the world for them. and I know whatever they're doing, they're going to do it right. They're going to carry it through right. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that leads, that's the shining light for others to do the same thing. Yeah, it kind of goes back to, this is like totally a cliche, but it's, you know, it's like that quote, like with great power comes great responsibility. And it's like you were just saying where these people, I think it's important to like really be aware of how much power you have. I think that's one thing that, I hope people take away from, you know, all of this base nectar drama, fallout, whatever you want to call out it, call it is that 
you know, people in that position have quite a bit of power. And um, I think it's linked in your, uh, the evidence against base nectar link tree, like you link to a couple of those uh, dance safe articles about navigating power dynamics. And it's just, it's really important to be aware of that and like how much power you have, how much influence you have. And because it's, it's important to be, it, it comes with responsibility, like to your community, to the people that you're, to, to the people that you're influencing. It's like responsibility and accountability. And like, that's personally, those are two things and they're kind of abstract terms, but like, those are two things that I really want for this community. Cause I think it has so much potential for good. And it sucks when people in power, like base nectar kind of give it a shitty name. But like, I think this, this community is really special. At least it's special to me. And like, I don't know. I hope that's just something that we can take into the future. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and that's, that, that kind of, it, that rubbed me the wrong way in the base nectar community. And, you know, cause when I first got into base nectar, I looked up to him too. And I, I noticed the power that he had and I'm like, why aren't you using this, you know, in, in a more selfish way um, for lack of better words, like why aren't you using this the way I would use this? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that's how I feel about Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, exactly. That's a better example that gets the light off of me. Um, yeah. A lot of people think that way, you know what I mean? And um, for good reason and not to sound too, too, uh, too out there, but like with that kind of power, you can change a lot of lives. You can make an impact on a lot of people. And um, I think that's, that should be considered for anybody who's in that position i mean at the end of the day yeah you, you just you're just throwing a concert you're just uh it's a business and you're just showing people a good time but at the end of the day the types of people that show up to these shows really they really like i said they really it's like they crave that guidance or a message of sorts and i i feel like that message and guidance was manipulated thoroughly with bass nectar uh, you know, he played into that big time and turned it into something really weird. But yeah, I mean, you could help a lot of people if you consider that and you, uh, you know, I, I don't even think that you should make things preachy or whatever, but just lead by example, you know, that's all you can do at the end of the day. And you'd be surprised at the type of impact and trail that that, that would create, you know. So speaking of kind of abusing your power and just being weird, one thing that you know I noticed, and I think was also a, a discussion in you know the Drunkles, uh, was kind of how Base Nectar would sometimes like put hidden messages in there and do like these weird guided meditations. And I'm just curious if you could shed some light onto that, or um, really like what other kind of like weird things beyond just you know the terrible you know stuff around the sexual abuse and all of that um, that you could talk about. Well, I mean, uh, the only thing that I can offer is an, is an opinion. And like, I just think he, he, he took advantage of his platform and, uh, and the impressionability, the naiveness of his fans. And, and, you know, a lot of those messages were good, but it's the way I don't know. There was like a weird attitude about how they were presented and I don't know, man, it, it just seemed like it, it, it got cult like, uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, 
I've got, I, I'm torn about, you know, using a, a platform like that to, to, to preach. Um, but as long as it's positive, cool, but clearly if you take a look at the base nectar situation, it's almost as if that stuff was being presented just to, to charm his fans, make them feel special. I don't know. It, it, it was, it was definitely unique and, 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 and odd the way it almost came across as brainwashing, you know? Um, Absolutely. Because I, I, I can't, yeah, I can't sit here and tell you not to have a positive message in your concert or your show. Cool. If you want to do that, cool. But it's just something about the way Bass Nectar approached it, where it was, it was more of a manipulation tactic or something along those lines, you know? Yeah, it just always seemed a little bit more artificial than anything, because then you see how he conducts himself on, you know, social media platforms like Twitter, where you're like, oh, so it's like, it's not all peace and love all the time, just like when you feel like it. Interesting. Well, that, and it's like, when you attach yourself to every social movement, and you've got a hard stance, and it just seems like a veneer for, to make yourself look good. You can tell when someone's a good person. It's not about what what, it's not about what they stand for. It's about what, how they act. It's about what they do, you know, and, uh, and so many other things. And it, some people, yeah, it's just, it's just a front. It's like, Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, I feel like he positioned himself to be some kind of, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, who, who, who is anybody to be that important to where I'm taking my, I'm taking in all of my, uh, <laughs> my morals, values, and ethics from you, you know? I don't think any one person is that important. You get that type of, you nurture your soul and, and, from, and get those types of things from everywhere and everybody, you know? So I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a really weird, layered, nuanced topic that I, I, I'm having a hard time finding the words to, to dig into, but yeah. I mean, even from the production aspect, like beyond just the message, I feel like I remember multiple times where, you know, he would say like, you're now going on a ride and like actually like putting people into a trance and that combined with the drugs, like I think, you know, he was really trying to take advantage of people. And I'm curious because either you or people close to you were so good at finding out these examples. I'm curious there's other examples that you can think of of him just like blatantly like whether it's changing you know the frequency of his songs or you know stuff of that nature um, that you could talk about i mean what is is as far as like trying to control individuals or whatnot yeah or just you know put people in that mind state of you know how once he says something then it just really internalizes and it just like you know guts over and over in their brain to the point where, you know, eventually people are saying, think for yourself and question without even realizing that they were doing absolutely the opposite of that. Right. And every time before he would drop that track, you know, whether he was doing that weird scale thing where he would run it up and down the scale and, you know, stuff like those kind of production techniques that to me seemed hypnotic on purpose. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure it was, and I think that's really clever at the end of the day, but it's like, it's not, it's it's not what you do, it's how you do it type 
type thing. And he, he used that kind of power to be a shitty person. You know what I mean? So imagine if somebody was doing what he was doing and bringing that type of experience to the table and they were a solid person and a solid guy. I, I wouldn't have any, <clears throat> Jesus, sorry. I wouldn't have any problem with that. I think that would be amazing, you know, but it's shitty when you, when you have the power to influence that many people and put them into that kind of trance and you, you, you use it for selfish reasons. You use it to gain your own power or pockets or whatever the case may be. Um, and just end up being a com complete shit bag. You know what I mean? I don't have any problem with that type of, you know, stuff is just just be a good person behind it because you know you, you, like we were talking about earlier you could have changed the world he i mean you know if not the not the world maybe but you could have changed a significant portion of uh of of the community and instead he just created a bunch of entitled little brats and ended up being a piece of shit so talk that talk <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh, you guys got me acting out of my element, man. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> Definitely a little fanboying here. Like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be real. Um, but um, that's all. <laughs> I'm curious. Remember, if... don't deify Ethan. Okay, we, we have to yeah. learn a lesson. From... <laughs> we have to learn lessons here. I, I just want to know a couple more things, though. Um, one is, you know, did the mole ever like apologize? Or have any of those people that, you know, participated in trying to take you down eventually see the errors in their ways? And, you know, were you able to accept that? That's a magnificent question. Uh, the mole actually ended up being one of his victims. Whoa. Uh, we have, yeah, we have a great relationship. Uh, I love her to death. We've, uh, you know, when I found that stuff out, another ambassador friend is the one that showed it to me because he's like because i i knew that was the case but i didn't have proof to show the group or anybody else so i kind of seemed a little crazy talking about it you know so this guy reaches out to me and he's like look i've got a literal document that she's been writing to appease chris madrigal and these are commands that were passed down through chris he told her to to write this out so I have a word document and um, yeah, so he shared that with me. It was like, you're not crazy. It's true. Here's the document itself. And I'm like, what the fuck? And uh, so I say that to say <clears throat> when I, when I posted that to the group, uh, she, she got shamed big time. And I feel bad now looking back, like, you know, she, she did what she did, but she, you know, whatever. It was just a shitty situation. And I didn't, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I feel bad that, she, that that kind of light got shined on her and she had to, uh, to feel the way she, that she felt. But yeah, we, uh, we ended up speaking and burying the, uh, the hatchet and yeah, we have a good relationship now. She's an amazing person. And, and I, I'm actually glad, you know, I, I don't, I don't like having conflict or ill will or bad blood with anybody. So it was really cool to, to get past that. Yeah. It's a wonderful trait. It's a lot of growth in there. Yeah. It's yeah. mutual healing. And I feel like that's what healing, that's kind of something that I've 
been thinking about like on my own personal healing journey is that like it can only you know of course I have to do my own work but like at a certain point it's not just about me like and it's not just about like the bass nectar community it's not just about like the live music community like the whole fucking world like needs to confront like rape culture and like everything that we've been socialized with because like I can only do do so much healing in a world that's dominated by rape culture still so I do think that healing is a very like mutual thing yeah it's it's uh it's it is and I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman in this world especially seeing lord have mercy just you know the it's only been a few years since all this you know the me too movement and these other things have gone on and it really is amazing to to see how how men approach women and how they approach um just sexual behaviors in general you know it's almost as like we weren't treating each other like we were humans you know it's it's like a big game to men that they don't quite understand well enough or that they haven't been taught well enough and you know, I don't know. I don't know many women that haven't been sexually abused. Matter of fact, I would say, I know most, most if not all, the women that I know, including my family members, have been abused. And I just think it's good that we're we're taking a look at that, and it is a mutual healing type thing. And hopefully, people can look at these situations and do some reflecting of their own. You know and uh things get better for humanity as a whole moving forward yeah it takes it takes a lot of work to like unlearn everything that we were socialized with because it was so normalized um and i noticed also on the links that you uh posted on the evidence against base nectar page i think you um shared an amazing post by uh stacy forster about uh it's like time for men in the industry to stand up or something like that she's with good night out vancouver um she's someone that i've collaborated with in the past and a good friend of mine in like the virtual sphere and that's all just to say that like there are a lot of resources available for people to engage with for free for basically just like how to treat people better how to unlearn everything that we've been socialized with and like i really just hope i i think like my ideal vision for the community like i've been saying to for it to be stronger is for everyone to just really it's all about accountability it's about mutual accountability like we all have to everyone has to do it it's from the top down but also from the bottom up like we have to hold each other accountable and we have to like do the work to like learn how to do that yeah you you have to move out of the space of being entitled and <clears throat> move into the space of accountability and some people never never do that inventory with themselves you know um but yeah hopefully we're stepping out of the dark a little bit and living in the light from this point on yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like a shift of going from an I to a we kind of standpoint. And I do think in general, you know, this musical community is doing that, you know, where I think of now, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the stuff against like Space Jesus and Dad Sick, you know, in large in part, you know, comes up with the bass nectar stuff too, is that people are being vocal, you know, so you are seeing people being more outspoken about things that are bothering them. So that's, I think, the thing that gives me the most hope, because I think you're absolutely right, you know, it takes the whole village from top down, bottom up, and I think we're all putting in the work now. So I'm hoping it keeps yeah. going this way. 
for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know, it really is. And I hope people can get out of that mindset of being selfish and just <clears throat> a lot of these people, you know, they're just in it for their selfish needs. Like they just want to go to a fucking concert. And I get that. But when it's when the vehicle itself, those shows and those concerts are being used to abuse people. It's like, dude, you, you got to get outside of yourself and and uh, chill the fuck out, dude. Calm down. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'll get over it. You'll find new things. You know, you'll 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 find fun in other places. You can uh, you can support your fellow human beings and and move on from a toxic situation. You know. Takes time and effort, but it's possible. Yeah, most definitely. Have any of the other artists like reached out to you, like Mim Page or um, Ill Gates, um, to like kind of use your platform or collaborate? in like the progression of the story. Yeah. Mimi, Mimi's been hella supportive. She's been great. She's been cheering me on and, um, her support is, I mean, she's been there for everybody in this story from the victims to myself. Um, she's, she's the, she's literally the MVP that's kind of going unnoticed. Um, she has literally kept the sanity of most people involved in this uh, intact. And she's amazing. You know, she, I couldn't speak more highly of a person than I can Mimi Page. Um, Bill Gates has reached out. He's, he's a really cool guy and he's been supportive too. Did Chris um, ever reach out to you to apologize? Yeah, no, he, he never did. And, um, I, I mean, as far as I know, the, these guys, they don't, they don't think they've done anything wrong. They don't think they've harmed anybody, which is really fucked up. Cause if you think about what happened to me, I mean, instead of addressing some little, some little issues that ultimately did get addressed, you know, base nectar went on to say he's a collaborative project and yada, yada, and blah, blah, blah. Instead of addressing his own shit, he basically weaponized his fan base against me and he was just cool with that. And, uh, and that was a, that was a bitch, man. I don't, uh, it wasn't fun. Uh, good and bad came out of it for me, but you know, it, it wasn't cool, you know? Um, but no, I don't think those guys think they did anything wrong or even care. You know, it was, I don't, I don't want to sound judgmental. I think these guys have it really good. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just, I don't think that, I don't think they give a shit, you know what I mean? And, and I know that they're, they're, they were just protecting what was paying them, you know, essentially those are their jobs, you know? So, and then they're just like, oh, this is just some fucking punk kid from the internet. Who does he think he is, you know? But at a certain point it become it's not about me and it's just about what's being presented, but they made it about me and they continue to make it about me and, even Bass Nectar himself told people fucked up things about me. He, you know, he would, he told some of the victims, you know, I have deep relationships with these people that I was, you know, stalking, terrorizing. I wanted to kill him. You know, it's very crazy shit that uh, affected their image of me for years, you know, and the, the, he did the same shit on a lesser level to a lesser degree with his fans, you know, it's just, it's, it's, 
I don't know. I, I'm glad to have been able to shine through that all and and be here now with everything. So yeah, seriously, it's such an incredible story, like from start to finish. And um, I just want to express my gratitude again for you just joining us here and, and sharing that and kind of giving us the inside scoop. Like we're, we really appreciate it. And like I said, like I'm just as, as a survivor and like as just a member of this community, I'm really grateful for everything you did for his victims and survivors, however they want to identify themselves. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's a big story. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. It's overwhelming. Um, I did my best to speak about it, you know, um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's a trip through and through the way this thing started and finished and played out and what happened. And yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane, but a lot of good, a lot of good came from it. You know, people got, got justice and their voices were heard and an act, a literal predator and somebody who was abusing music and women and just you abusing their position of power uh was taken down from that position and looked at in in a in a different light a light that exposed those behaviors so that's good you know a lot of artists and musicians have also found justice uh through me speaking out uh, which is cool too uh so that's really what makes me feel good about all this is that real action was taken multiple people have found closure found justice um and they're continuing to work on that as we speak so yeah it's a very real thing and it's a goofy story from time to time and it's it's weird to talk about but the outcomes uh they the outcomes they speak for themselves you know and that's that's a really beautiful thing so you know, sometimes I, f I feel a little bit of shame for falling into this trap, if you will, but good came from it. So, I mean, I'm sure that that's the best outcome anybody can hope and wish for. So, all in all, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad it happened. What a story. Seriously, man. <laughs> Seriously. So once again, you know, thank you, DV Montana, for just kind of letting us into your world the way you did and being vulnerable with us. It really means a lot just to kind of, I don't know, I, I geek out, you know, when people are willing to be as open with us as they are and really talk about their lives. And it makes me really happy to have connected with this soul who I think is just a, a really, really wonderful person. You know, he did what was really hard followed his gut, stuck with it, even though he got ridiculed and his name drugged through the mud for years, like literally years, just standing by his conviction. So, you know, just nothing but love and respect for you, DV. So thank you again, man. It was a real pleasure chatting with you and hope you guys enjoyed listening. Yeah, talk about a true crusader for the truth. Mm-hmm. Tough, tough, tough role to play, but really glad there's people like you out there doing it, so... You know, we earlier you talked about, you know, setting precedent and the new norms, and I definitely am going to make it more of a point myself to be more like DB in that sense and speak up for when things aren't right. But hopefully nothing goes wrong in our scene because I pray to God we've learned our mistakes and we got to stop idolizing people the way we do. 
if nothing else. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about it before, but there are like the people that are kind of the big names in our in our scene today in the absence of pretty lights, of course, but people like of Charles the First, Daily Bread, Closey, people on that level. It's like they have a really like strong and like organic following, like a truly organic following. And it the people that are on their teams, like their management, like they are just doing everything absolutely right. But I just I don't see that same level of cultiness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think so too, you know, and especially with those groups you just listed off, you know, I just think of nothing but good vibes. You know, it's just people that love the music, love the scene, love getting down, having a good time, doing some sinning along the way, but you know, it's all all in the good name of fun. So it is really great to see so many communities like that. And I do wonder if part of that is just because there's no artist that's like that big right now, just because I think it's understood of how much talent there is in our scene. You know, not to say that nobody will ever be, like, the next huge thing, but there's just so much incredible shit going on in all the different avenues. You know, like, from your tippers to your breads, like, so much range in the electronic music scene. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really happy with the state of our scene right now. I feel like you can feel the love from everybody as we're kind of shifting into this new space of returning to events. And I don't even want to say going back to business as usual, because, like, we've been talking about, you know, I think it's changing. I think our scene's growing. I think the people are evolving. And I think show atmospheres are just going to be even better moving forward. I'm just fucking really excited and really happy to see that's the way it's going right now. Yeah, and the next time that you hang out with us on Almost Familiar, we have a guest who actively tries to make this scene a better place outside of when it is trendy. And that's kind of an issue that we talk about on our next episode of Almost Familiar with our guest Stacy Forster. And maybe you guys have... have experienced this as well but when there is a major allegation against an artist like a datsik or a space jesus or a bass nectar there's this like big wave of attention and people are like oh my god like i had no idea it was like this like why is it like this and then the wave passes and it's not trendy anymore and then things kind of do go back to the wit to exactly how they were and we we address that on next week's episode along with challenging and nuanced topics that are that are directly related to the whole base nectar fallout because we mostly focus on how and when to separate the art from the artist you know separating the art versus the artist is just it's a concept that's not new but you know it's i think now probably more relevant than it ever has been or maybe it's not maybe it's always just relevant just now it's in our context but I know for me as a man, you know, a lot of our conversation is speaking about, you know, survivors and oftentimes in the scene where it is a mostly straight white male scene, you know, these people that are going through the most trauma are females. So as a man, you know, I still, I think back to our conversation with Stacy that's going to be featured our next episode very often and just very honored and blessed, like seriously to know you and to know that you're working so closely with her because... The stuff that she does with Good Night Out and the stuff that you do for yourself and trying to better the scene for women to be safe, it's it's fucking awesome. Because it is a scene where, you know, everybody needs to feel welcome, everybody needs to feel safe and feel heard. So I think that, you know, without people like you and Stacy really kind of verbalizing it, I don't think that change happens as quickly as you're seeing it happen. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I have to say I'm so grateful for coming across her even if it's only been virtually so far and that it's just been really empowering and like quite honestly fundamental to my healing process to just start getting that much more involved in advocating for consent culture and nightlife but 
it just it fascinates me how you know how generous she is and I and I see like the ripple effect of that is just like being generous like with your time and how like that impacts people just the smallest thing and then as it's all about visibility it's all about just like spreading the message even if it just affects one person even if it just like helps one person like shift their perspective like there's just so much potential and it's like it's so inspiring and it's so empowering yeah there's a lot to learn from people like you so you know we're uh I'm really thankful to have learned from you personally throughout the years of being your friend and then even more to learn from Stacy and just to have two people like that in my life I'm thankful for yeah and I'm just I'm grateful to people like you who are just who are willing to learn because it's I think it's like a challenging experience to get just confront your own like masculinity I have to imagine you know and just like the and like you know, masculinity is like what we were all socialized in a way. And it's challenging for me as a survivor just to confront, you know, problematic elements and problematic ways that I was socialized too. Like it's really, it's challenging and it's, it's scary and it's messy. It's not necessarily like easy work at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the hardest part about like learning something like that is kind of the unlearning that has to go along with it. Yeah, and like I think like we mentioned on this episode, on our episode with Stacy too, it's like I really strongly feel that we have an opportunity to just redefine that standard because we are like we are an evolving community and that's kind of why it's fun to have this podcast because we're not necessarily reflecting back on something that happened years ago, like we're reflecting on something that is happening and that's evolving and constantly changing. Like I forget which episode it was on. I think it was Vincent's Vincent Antones, who's released a ton of new music in the last couple of weeks. I think he has a couple singles, check everything out. It's amazing. But he, I think he put it that like electronic music is the genre that like is constantly reinventing itself Mm -hmm. compared to others. And like, yes, on a musical level, absolutely. But like we have an opportunity to like reinvent the culture that we inherited, I think, from like, you know, just it, it's it's influenced by so many like musical cultures, like rock and roll, um, and then like the rave culture that it came from as well. But like, w- because it's still evolving and unfolding and reinventing it, itself before our eyes, like, there's nothing but opportunity here to make it a better place and to make it like a place that like welcomes everyone. So you know, we're definitely looking forward to all the good things that are coming back to the scene. And we're looking forward to chatting with you guys again when we drop out our next episode with Stacy. And until then, just remember to treat each other with kindness, go about this world in a gentle way and however you feel safe. And just know that we're here for you. We love you. And thanks for spending some of your time with us. Mm-hmm.